My mama would say, you gotta fight for what is right. To her, I would say, I wanna give back the world some light. Mm-hmm. But it's an empty road. I feel so alone. I forgot what. the end of Thursday the 14th, December in the year 2023. And it's a peaceful night. It really is a peaceful night. I was stepping out earlier, just looking at the sunset. You know, these are just one of those places when you step out and you see this gorgeous sunset and you just realize it's like nothing else really matters. All the nonsense that we put up with and all the noise that they make in the news. And at the end of the day, God's created this beautiful and perfect world that we just really need to like lean into and just enjoy and put a lot of what these psychopaths want us to be stressed about, put it aside, especially in this season. We are in quite a season and it's a season truly of of life and to celebrate life and that is ultimately where we have to remain is to breathe life and celebrate life into all things. And it's good if we do. So real quick, um, we are dealing with a, a good season. And since you have, it is a good season, take time to rest and to do that, get some, get a, get the best pillow on the market. That's my pillow. We've been talking about my pillow for over two years. Great company, great products super supportive of Patriot Causes. And they're just a, a great product for Christmas, great product for any time of year for that matter. Their MyPillow 2.0 is literally my favorite of their pillows. It really does make a difference. It's a heat-regulating re- thread. It's really fantastic. But they also have that in a mattress topper. And then, of course, you add that with the Giza cotton sheets and a comforter. All these things are on sale right now. 
All you have to do is head over to MyPillow.com forward slash Bards, and that's our page there on the MyPillow site, and use your promo code Bards, B-A-R-D-S. You'll get great savings. It's a great time of year to get a great product, great thing to give for Christmas presents. I always like to say it's a good thing to get for Christmas presents, especially if you have part of your family that's like not completely awake. And then once they sleep on that anointed pillow from my pillow, they'll be transformed. <laughs> or so we would like to believe. It's pretty good. So anyway, check it out. MyPillow.com forward slash Bards. Promo code Bards. Cow update. So I gave it yesterday. So I want to make sure everybody gets it. Um, we've had an interesting... Uh, they're slower in coming than I expected. We've had six calves born. One obviously was um, killed by coyotes. I think it was born very weak, or I don't think it was stillborn, but it was born very weak. The coyotes feasted on it, and then the eagles finished it off. So it was a pretty gruesome sight, and um, it was hard on the mother. And so that's she seems to have adapted okay, but. Uh, We've now had the total of five now are on the ground. Another one came in yesterday. And it really is a, a miracle of life to watch. Animals, uh, and calves in particular, just how quickly they wake up, how quickly in the first the one I saw actually born was before I went down to Tucson. And the mother was in labor. And the head of the, the calf started to come out. And it was, you could still see the placenta around it. And she got spooked. It wasn't intentional, but I went stop. I pulled the Jeep over on the road because I was heading into town. It's when I saw her and I stepped out to take a photograph. And that spooked her. And so she got up and walked around. And here's the head of the cow, kind of, of this calf sticking out the back of her. It just struck me to like what, you know, how tough this animal is because it's like almost coming out, but it can't quite get out. And so she finally settled down. And when she, gave birth, it was fast. The birthings are, these animals in particular are well bred for that over years of genetics. And so the animal came out in, I don't know, less than 10 minutes, probably more like five. And then once the calf is out and the mother begins to clean it up, it's only a matter of, you know, 20 minutes or so before the animal's up on its feet, but it will try to start getting up right away. Within an hour or less, and usually it's like about 20 to 30 minutes, the animal's up, and it's seeking to nurse. But if you, like the one that came in yesterday, I picked it up about an hour or so after it was born. It was already walking alongside of the mother and nursing. And when I drove the ATV down carefully, because I don't want to spook them, uh, the the animals were moving more quickly. I wouldn't say running, but they were definitely moving more quickly, trying to kind of come together as a herd. And those that baby calf was moving right along, so... Pretty impressive to see. And I always look at that, and we've talked about this, but I reflect on the fact that these are these animals don't have a question of what their purpose is or what their life is. We do that. And I, it really has, it puts you in a position of having to really rationalize what's wrong with us. This idea that, you know, abortion is a form of birth control, this idea that somehow children that are coming into this world aren't alive. I mean, if you try to tell that to an animal, if they could talk, they'd look at you going like, like you know, where, what planet did you come from? Because it's not the planet we're on. And so it's really amazing the narrative that people accept. And they accept it so much because they're so detached from the actual land. And that's ultimately this big war, is detached people from their land and their birthrights. And they just don't get it. And they don't get it. And they live detached. So a lot of these perspectives that people are making and doing are truly based on a strange perspective that somehow we are not part of this world. And for, in fact, they, when I say that, they see us as parasites. It's kind of a play on the biblical idea that this uh, satanic group is working with, that we're not of this world so instead of saying we're not of this world, they just say we're parasites. And so for, as parasites, we deserve to be extinguished, which is pretty amazing when you think about it. Insane would be a better term, but that's kind of it. So much of what we're dealing with in this world is the consequence of taking God out of everything. 
And in a season right now of celebrating life, we need to be putting God back in everything. We have God out of this classroom. We have God out of our government. We have God out of the corporate boardrooms. We have God out of corporations anywhere. I arguably see in some of the churches there's no God left because of the way they teach it. And so the idea that somehow we're supposed to, as a culture, I should say the youth, more importantly, are supposed to understand what God is. Unless we're teaching it and bringing it into their lives, they have no clue. So they're separated farther and farther from it. And that's the entire problem of this time is that there is, we have walked so far away from God that we're now trying to find our way back. And in the process, what we should know is native, natively to who we are, how we operate, we're having to really struggle right now, really struggle with trying to find our way back to that relationship with him in a pure and wonderful way. And that's really where the sweet spot is in life is when we start to step in with him and we hang on to that and we work deep within that. And we find the power there of the Holy Spirit. And it's in that sweet spot that we start to really gain the insights that he wants us to gain. Before we get going too far tonight, I do want to bring up some prayers. This is a continued prayer for Brad Cummings' family. I was just reading about this too. It's kind of strange. It's a, um, the, he's got his grandchildren. So one was sick pretty heavily. And when I, I was just reading about this infection, I, I'm, I'm going to be really honest. I'm, I'm not convinced that this latest round, um, and we're going to be praying for Harvey Brave and then his, his siblings. But I'm not convinced that this latest round of sickness is anything more than something that's been a consequence of the first vax. They're calling it now, and it's, it's all so, so set up. They're calling it now uh, white lung syndrome, which is apparently coming out of China is what they claim. And, of course, this is creating some sort of infant and, and very young um, infection in the lungs that is supposedly like a pneumonia, which is exactly what Brad Cummings' grandson has. And they say that the Beijing Children's Hospital lobby remained crowded with parents seeking treatment for their children's pneumonia. And the outbreak in Ohio started in August, they say. And then here's what you would expect. The CDC highlights new vaccine options. The U.S. Centers of Disease Control and Prevention recently stated on its website that, that it is monitoring reports of increased respiratory illness around the world, including in China and Europe. However, the agency emphasized that pediatric pneumonia and other respiratory diseases typically rise each fall and winter. CDC also pointed out that for the first time, they are now there are now available safe and effective, they put, I love this, safe and effective immunizations. <laughs> so what were they before? If you didn't have a safe and effective immunization, then you apparently were on the wrong story. So, before you were taking unsafe and ineffective, now you're taking safe and effective. It's crazy. But naturally, China has approved five new COVID-19 vaccines for emergency use amidst its current respiratory disease outbreak. And COVID-19 shots are linked to pneumonia. A little discussed factor is whether these respiratory outbreaks may in some way be associated with COVID-19 vaccine. Of course it is. That's where the whole problem is. The list of adverse events associated with Pfizer's mRNA shot was released due to the Freedom of Information Act, FOIA. And according to a document, a typical atypical pneumonia is one among hundreds of potential adverse reactions receiving the gene therapy-based drug. Yeah, so it goes on. But... That's just it. So we turn this in. By the way, that's at the end of the article. I hate when they do this. It's at the end of the article. So no one's going to read it anyway. People read this. They read this. Reports of white lung syndrome emerge in the U.S. And they zip down and they go, okay, what's white lung syndrome? Oh, it's pneumonia. And it's hitting in China. It's coming here. Okay, life's over. Done. Not going to read the article anymore. 
I know it's going to happen. We're all going to die. <laughs> I swear. So we want to speak life over people. And we want to bring life. I Like I said, I don't get too wrapped up in the drama of the origins of this stuff because I see a lot of this now as consequence of the vaxxed. And the vax are emitting all sorts of nasty stuff. I don't even know what they're doing. And if children have had vaccines, that's another thing. I know that little Harvey Brave, Brad's grandson, has not had vaccines. But the exposure out here to this world is real, especially with our shedders that are out here and who knows what they're bringing into this world and coughing up and whatnot. Father God, I just want to raise Harvey Brave up in our prayers today. And I know that he's been challenged with a lot of health issues, respiratory issues, and what looks to be like childhood pneumonia. So, Father, we just wrap our arms around him. We pray into him. We pray life into his heart. And we raise him up and we pray life deep within his heart. And we give Harvey Brave a blessing, the blessing of Christ and the blood of Christ upon him. And we cast out any of that sickness and just rebuke it and send it out as we fill him with the Holy Spirit to heal and restore completely from head to toe and toe to head. Father, whatever the uh, cause is, we just pray that his oxygen levels are up, that he's breathing well and in. And with that, Father, we also pray for his siblings, that they remain healthy because this is a difficult time. So Jayla and Callum, and may, they, may you surround them with prayer to lift them up and just to keep that whole family safe. Jayla and Callum, keep them healthy. And just pray into this that we stop giving credit to things that aren't great, need to be given credit to. We pray into the idea that this is not some sort of engineered bioweapon, which is just a, a stimulus for fear, but rather just understanding that this is a normal consequence of giving people an injection that breaks down their immune system and then doesn't allow for normal body processes, and this is what manifests. So, Father, we just pray for a hedge of protection around the entire family, around Harvey Brave, around Jayla, around Calum, all the children in that family to lift them up. We breathe life into them. We breathe restoration life into them. We breathe the power and the blood of Christ on them. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. So I think so much of that is so important is mindset. And really having to decide what we're here for and what we're doing here, right? So be honest with you, tonight I'm just going to kind of let the things flow a little bit. I, I had come up with some ideas on the show before I started, but I'm, I'm really feeling like we're just going to kind of go Holy Spirit mode and see where it takes us. You know, usually that can take us on some pretty wild rides. And I'm equally pretty worn out today. So I'm just going to kind of let Holy Spirit take over and see what goes on. I, I am really, from last night's show with um, Apostle Greg, it's really an inspiring show that we start talking about how to pray and win. And that praying and winning is coming from the fact that instead of standing in defeat and reaching for victory, we are standing in victory in kingdom side, praying victory into this world because Christ gave us victory on the cross. Amen. And we have to start breaking through these, these chains and breaking through these boundaries that we've set for ourselves as somehow we are always trying to catch up to the enemy. And I don't know where that comes from. I mean, we don't have any basis to believe that, and yet we give that basis all the time. We don't use our command authorities to defeat an enemy. We don't go about proclaiming the fact that we have authority over snakes and scorpions, which were two separate cults, one for the interior of the body, one for the exterior, that would wage war upon humankind. And we've been given authority over them. And then we've been given authority over all the issues of evil. That's a lot of authority. And so it's one of those things like use it wisely, right? But we have this power and this time and this place, and yet we will look at things happen around us and we, we find ourselves helpless. And so much of this is driven by a narrative that they, the deep state, want us to believe. They want to keep pounding us down and believing that they're more powerful than we are, that we need to come up with this mighty re response in prayer. There's just no other way to save people. And that's where I usually throw down and say that's not true. Because Jesus healed people one at a time, and we can do the same. And while it's awesome to be able to heal a whole nation or do mass deliverance, which is equally would be cool. I'll do, I'll do deliverance for a whole nation or a state, no problem. 
But our most and greatest impact is one-on-one. It's the face-to-face. It's the breaking of bread. It's there that we find our nexus of where we're able to really move and elevate up with the Holy Spirit to get people moving into Jesus. And we all have free will. We can choose not to if we want. But the most powerful thing about the story of Jesus and the stories that we pull out in the biblical lens in our life is that these stories combined with real testimonies of today compel people to literally want to be part of the movement that accepts Jesus in their heart. And we don't have to go door knocking, per se, and telling people that they're going to go to hell, which is like I told you many times that would happen at my own house in my own town, Roseburg, Oregon, when people would be knocking at your door going, you're going to hell, and be like, wow, that's changed fast. I was, yeah, I was fine yesterday. What happened? And that's because this is a desperate way of bringing people to Jesus, which is the wrong motivation. I want to be very clear. When you bring people to Christ in fear, then they're going to be driven in fear within the body of Christ. And Jesus is not fearful. So we have to be able to start to understand how to bring people to Christ without having to use the lever of revelation, end of, end of times. You're going to go right to the pit of fire, whatever. Not that that may not happen. But our whole focus is love and elevating up. So that real question we begin with is just like when we look at problems, do you want to spend your time in the darkness or you want to spend your time in love? Some of the darkness has to happen. We have to get into those rabbit holes a little bit to start unhooking things. But once we get in there and we live there too long, we become an accelerant to the problem as well. So be efficient is the whole point of when we're working with one another because we don't have unlimited time and yet too quick doesn't get us anywhere. And we have to be able to pray into these things and lift them up and open their hearts up. Listen to the Holy Spirit to know the key words that we need to ask. So as we ask those and we're working within that anointed space, they become free. Remember, we set ourselves free. We keep ourselves free and help others to find freedom. And that's the whole goal here. Because at the core of everything is free will. And free will is a most profound element in, this, in everything we are doing here. Free will gives us a choice. We can take a choice to walk away from God. We can take a choice to selectively read the the Bible and scriptures. We can take a choice to convince ourselves that we can keep old habits, whether it's hanging out with the boys and doing something crazy or grabbing somebody for the weekend and having a weekend fling, usually centered at the bar sort of thing. And oh, by the way, just in case anybody's out here from a new channel or coming in to visit, there's only two genders. I want to make sure you got that based on my last comment just half a second ago. Don't want you to think that I've gone straight up like woke or something because I don't. Two genders. Two genders. That's it. We have to be able to motivate people to come to Christ. And so much of that is based on the, on the wonders of the world, miracles and wonders. So how do we get that? And so much of that is based on our ability to literally align with God, to present everything to him, to let the burning fires of repentance and and accountability burn through us. It's the silver and the dross. And as they do, and we pull out that dross, so our silver becomes more refined in in the metaphor. God will take that and reforge it in the way he needs. And we become mightier in the, in the spirit. We want to bring those things into this world. We want to show the miracle healings of the living God. We want those testimonies to tell people, to inspire people to go, yes. But there's also this part that people aren't always ready. So as much as people may want to, we may still be on the outside for a long time because maybe their hearts aren't ready for a critical thing. And if we don't abide by that, they can end up being a bigger problem than they are our benefit. And that's ultimately on us for not having listened. The more that I walk in this place of the Spirit, the more that I realize it, one, how powerful it is, two, how how full of landmines it is, and three, how essential it is that when we walk there, we have a place to bring ourselves back, an anchor point that we can talk with somebody and bring ourselves back into the right headspace, but a place that we can be repentant for the things that we see or perhaps the things that we do unintentionally. But a weak heart going in and working in the spirit is, is a heart that's like got crosshairs on it by the enemy and they're going to come right at you. And we don't need that because what we need to be doing is pushing the Holy Spirit into them. 
there's a lot of, obviously, when you get into doctrinal stuff that we're in right now, there's a lot of controversy around what is right. Should we be speaking tongues? Should we, what, what is the church supposed to do? And most churches don't step into that realm. They don't want to touch speaking in tongues. They don't want to touch deep prayer in the spirit. They, and I mean like deep prayer. They don't want to touch the idea that the church becomes part of a process of making things and helping the community. So churches become very functional. They're social organizations. They become comfortable to go to. Church shouldn't always be comfortable. There should be things that are put before us to challenge our hearts. And as they challenge our hearts, we rise up to be better and greater in him. We also need to be paying attention to each other as we work with each other and we're around each other. And one of the blessings that I have right now with all of this is with the Cantrells here, I get an opportunity to work with the kids. And you have to pay attention to what they're saying to you as much as I have to pay attention to what they're saying to them because these are, these are delicate or, or life points in their life. So we have to take time to give them latitude to process and see things. But that's a metaphor of us in God's eyes. Because in God's eyes, we're still those little children one, two years old, three years old. Maybe we've got a voice. Maybe you're five in God's eyes. And you have the ability to speak out and articulate it the way we should have. But the closer we get to him, the more clear those words and pronunciations are. So right now, as we walk in this world and we're trying to find our place, the objective is for us to get closer to him. And to release those gifts and talents so we can step into a world where we can truly bring the miracles of the living God through us and through our hands. Because they're profound testimonies when they happen. And when people witness them, there's no denying it. They can try, but there's no denying it. At the end of the day, it's going to go into their heart. And as they get to process what that is and witness what it is, the greatness of the Holy Spirit evolves before us. Miracle healings. We've seen them. We know them. We've heard testimonies about them. They happen every week. It's the praise reports. And they're speaking to the power of prayer. They're speaking to overcoming strongholds. They're speaking to being set free. And those are things that we have to celebrate each time we have a victory and continuing to lift up and not let the enemy try to crush us down because that's where the enemy wants to live. The enemy does not have to convince you to do anything bad. He just has to convince you not to believe. And that's a big statement that one would say, well, they're never going to stop me from believing in God. That's fine, but I guarantee you, with the right pressure, you will stop believing in certain things. And that's what the enemy does. That's how the enemy degrades everything. That's how the enemy gets to the root of everything. And it's constantly a fight. Constantly. And so our focus has to be constantly on Holy Spirit, constantly on lifting up to the body of God, constantly getting to a place where we can hear his voice. And then we begin to have the operating principles to work in in this environment. So I have prayed today, for example, listening to him, asking him many things, especially as we're dealing with this unconventional warfare that's facing us. And we go back to the places of where do we begin. And where we really begin is we begin with the power of prayer to understand that we have the authorities to strike these strongholds and to truly believe it in your heart. So if you don't know how to pray that way, well, the first thing I would say is ask. Did you ask God how to pray that way? Because too often we forget that. We don't pay attention to the fact that we have a requirement as well to let God know what we need. We love to take. We love to pull in. We're like, God's got us, and you're just feeding into the heart. But what about what we're pushing out? What are we pushing into the world? Now, that gets to another level of healing and accountability, though. Because when we start pushing stuff into the world, the power of our words is life and death, literally. And we have to be cognizant of all of this. It's a much bigger play field than we ever imagined. It's massive. And we have to continue to pray life in all things, all things. We have to be, if you say something that you wish you didn't say, rebuke it on the spot, pull it back. But it also gets into our own relationships with people. We have a tendency, especially we can be the most patient person in the world, but we have a tendency in our world 
of walking in places where we we don't literally trust in God where we need to. God is there for all things with us. And the more we lean into him, the easier our world gets. We like to destroy ourselves. We like to talk to ourselves into the misery that we don't really want to live in, but we put ourselves there because we spellcast ourselves. The world we're in is designed to beat us down. It's designed to teach you one thing, you're not worthy. And yet, we're also worthy. And don't confuse worthy with being that I'm not a sinner, because of course. But when we add that other spin where we're truly talking about things, trying to say, that I'm not worthy, you're spell casting yourself into oblivion. You're going to carry that in this, in this life here, and you're going to be telling yourself that because someone at the pulpit told you that. Man, my word is always different. It's like you are worthy, but now we've got greater work to do because with, the, with God giving his, the sacrifice of his only son, we have to raise up to work harder towards reaching God. And it doesn't mean it's harder to get there. It means we have more work to do. But unfortunately, the one thing the enemy uses, two major tools in this fight that are constantly riddling and attacking us heavily. One is doubt and one is fear. Doubt and fear. And so when you have doubt and fear working there, and they're working together in concert, you're doubting the presence of God, and you're living in a life of fear for what's coming at you. And unfortunately, as much as I want to say this is not a generalization, there are so many people involved in situations like this that while it's not a generalization, I can tell you that that perspective of being consumed by these sort of fears, the fears of lining up new clients, the fears of the next job, and then the doubt that you can get it done, it is so pervasive across the board that it almost becomes a cultural trait in America. And we have to overcome that. Because waiting in the wings are the children that are looking for those that will come and rescue them, raise them up, bring them into a mightier world than we currently have. And you can't put your reliance on politicians. You gotta put your reliance on God. You can't put your reliance on things that aren't true. Not, you have to stay away from the hypocrisies and stay true in your message. But it's always the same. Is what they're trying to do to us is grind us down to such a degree that we cease to believe who we are and instead we settle into the idea that as a being of a physical of a physical being, we are imperfect and therefore don't deserve the riches and wealth of heaven. And the enemy loves it. Loves the fact that it can derail something as simple and as beautiful as what God's offered. And we can't let it happen anymore. There has to come a time in our life where we simply throw down to such a degree that we say enough is enough at any cost. That's the martyrdom spirit. And we really are at that point right now. We're at a tremendous point in our life that we are moving forward in such a good way if we want to because we have the power of kingdom behind us. And the enemy is exposing itself so massively. And as a massive attack, as it tries to wage war, it continues. And it continues to move forward. We have to realize that it has exposed itself So we can see everything about it. And when the enemy comes to light, that's a gift. It's not a burden. But we, I think we have an assumption that somehow the enemy is going to roll over and play dead. It's like, oh, hey, we're here. And the enemy's like, oh, I know I'm going to run away. The enemy's not going to do that. The enemy's number one tool is to get in your head. And with fear and doubt, it can continue to make you believe that it can win. And we speak life into things. We don't receive death, but we, we shouldn't, but we do. And the enemy does one thing, it speaks death on everything. And when it speaks death, it is truly trying to make us believe that there is no possible way, even with God, that we can win. 
So let's go back to the children. Tonight, we were watching A Christmas Carol, and three of the kids got pretty scared because at the beginning of that, when Ebenezer Scrooge first meets his first ghost, it's, it gets pretty scary. Now, it's a wonderful story because it's really a story about God trying to teach this man a lesson and being, him being saved at the end. It's actually a whole story of deliverance, if you want to know that, which I find amazing. But they're scared. So what do they do? They run to mama. Instinctively, they come to mama. They want to get cuddled in. They want to be told it's okay. And mama does what she should do. She prays over them. She prays over their hearts. She takes away the fear. Our God's no different. He's there for us, arms open. But what do we tend to do? We internalize fear. And then we tell ourselves, we fill ourselves with doubt. And instead of turning to God and saying, God, hold me, guide me, help me lift this burden of fear off my heart, let me see more clearly, we start to tell ourselves that we can't, we're unworthy. And we start to create a, a, a system within ourselves that doesn't look to God as our Father, but looks to us as a failure. That's by design, by the way. Enemy's beautiful doing it. And we're really amazing at accepting it, which is incredible. Watching little children is like watching a reflection of us as we are under God. We are God's children, and we act like it many times. And God, even though we don't turn to him, God's still there trying to tell us, hey, it's okay. And we see it reflected in the Bible 365 times, fear not. And yet, we still do. This war is not hard to fight. It's not even hard to win. What is hard is for us to overcome the conditioning and programming of years. It tells us we're not only unworthy, but that there's no way that this enemy can be defeated because it's greater than us. And that enemy takes so many different forms. We like to, it's easy to monolithic this enemy, very much like, you know, Monsters, Inc. or what goes bump under the night and what goes bump at night. These ideas where there's singular monsters that we're dealing with, we can see them and we can overcome them. That's not the way the enemy's set up because the enemy is much cagier than that. The enemy takes its attacks by virtue of debts or the enemy takes its attack by virtue of food and job, mortgage payments. The debt slavery system is almost totally complete. The enemy takes its, its training from the fear that it can invoke in people by people being afraid of losing their children as the enemy's good at this. And so we should be better at understanding what the enemy's techniques are. So you, it's the right to be fear once in a while. In fact, I would argue that in even in the peak of military operations, there's got to be a little seed of fear within you because it's a seed that ignites a fire of intensity. But I'm talking little, not, not dominant. It's like it's your edge, Right? And for some, they won't like the word fear, so we'll just say it's your edge. It's your sense of this. Things are like going to be pretty intense. But if our enemy is trying to constantly wage war at us, and we're looking at a reflection of how children are in this world as we should be with Father, I think the equation starts to come out pretty clearly, at least the process. And what comes out pretty clear is as we're hit with something, the first thing we do is we go into prayer and we reach to Father. And then from there, as we've gone into prayer and we've reached a father, then we're now turning around and we're speaking into the world with the power of life that he gives us. The enemy can't stand up to life. And therein is one of the greatest parts of victory for us. Is when we're speaking life in this world, we literally control it. Many, many years ago, I had a vision, and that vision became more pronounced, and, I, and it's when we had a fire up in here in the Northwest. And this vision I was given in a dream, and I was literally flying high above the earth, and it was actually in an area down in Texas. And I was brought in, like swooped in, and God moved his hand across the earth, 
and what was a desolate area turned into this rich forest instantly. Dream always stuck with me. We burned this forest, not we. Using a directed energy weapon and a variety of other things, they burned some of the most beautiful forests in the country right here outside in my county, one of the most precious and sacred places for myself that I've ever been. And I've traveled the world, and I always came back to this one place. And while there's still some beauties in there, it's a beautiful area, there has been a lot of damage, a lot of damage, which I showed some of it in the first annual Bard's Christmas special. And it's an emotional piece for me. It's hard because you've seen something that you knew was vibrant in life and ancient was stripped from you by the, by the technologies of man. But there's a vision on my heart, and I believe it. I just don't know how to get to it yet, but it doesn't mean I will quit. The vision is that we can pray that back to where it was. Heal the land. Not just heal the people, but heal the land. And the question is, how does that work? And it works begins by the belief that I can, not the doubt that I can't. Now, do I think it's going to happen in my lifetime? Yeah, actually. Because I'm not going to let it go until it happens. And it's the authority that we bring into this to say, Father, you said we can, therefore I declare in the name of Jesus and pray that in and make that happen. But imagine an event like this. There's a book by, the, by an author by the name of John Giano, The Man Who Planted Trees. It's actually a fictional story. But it's, it's a beautiful story. If you want to get a great gift for children and a great inspiring book, get that one. John Giano, The Man Who Planted Trees. It's all about this, this fictitious story of a man who had a bag of acorns. And every single day, he would plant hundreds of acorns every day. And he did it year after year after year. And he never went back to the places he planted. He just kept moving. So it was 10 or 15 years down the way, there was this announcement in France in the book of a miracle that had happened because a forest grew out of nowhere. But I love the story because it's about hope. It's about persistence. It's about never giving up. It's about keep going in that place of believing that you can renew the earth, renew the life, renew the world by the actions of a single one. So in all this fight that we have going on, and there's a tremendous amount of it right now, there is so much we can do against it and so much we can do for people. And what we're doing against it is tremendous as long as we pray. Because the enemy can't stand that power of love. And you can't pray with anger. You can't pray with vengeance. If you pray with light righteousness, it still has to be packaged around love. Because at the end of the day, what we look at as an enemy, who may be nothing more than a meat puppet tied with a demon, we have to separate the demon from the meat puppet and turn that meat puppet back into something that we can bring into kingdom. That means saving the man and freeing him from the influence of the dark. And when we start keeping our mindset like that, we are building in phenomenal bridges. We are tearing down strongholds that most people can't understand. And we're doing it with prayer. And we're doing it with faith. And in that term of prayer and faith, what is lacking in all of that is two critical words that can exist no more. Doubt and fear. They have to go. There's no room for them there because you are on top of victory and breathing life into things. So we need to do that. Focus on life. Focus on the power of the word. Focus on the power of the Our words carry life and death with them. And zero in on these targets that you find. Pray into them. Pray life into them. Pray the breaking the strongholds into them. And as we do this over and over and over, I will bet you that as we reach a year from now, you're going to see testimonies and you're going to see reveals of the effects of those things that we never imagined. Because the power of love and the power of changing things through love is unstoppable. Let's pray. Father God, I just want to thank you for this evening and all that you bring. It's really, Father, we're looking right now at the heavier and most focused place where we can wage war in the spirit to support the actions of the flesh and wage war in the mighty ways in the spirit. 
to be able to cut away the influences and the ancient ties and strings. It's literally seeking the ancient paths like Jeremiah 6.16, but going even deeper than that. Because it's where we want to go to understand the source and then to move forward to free those and keep ourselves free. Father, this is a time right now that we pray for our children, we pray for the families, we pray for this nation of a deep and and deep set awakening to lift them up and let them see this world, dropping the scales from their eyes, but let us be the example that they seek to look at and say, I want to follow that. And we can. And they should. So Father, lift us up. Bless us and anoint us in this evening that we can truly hear your voice. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. So, we're ready to go hard, ready to go deep, pray hard, pray deep, go into the spirit realm and learn it, navigate it, be careful of just keeping your heart in love, that's the most important thing. And do something miraculous each day by praying love into people's lives and watching it transform. These children, every single day they get up, they give hugs. Isaiah sometimes needs 50, he says, per day. <laughs> like, okay, we'll keep a count. But it's the power of that contact and that interaction that ultimately raises up the body of Christ. It's not about you or I. It's about the whole body of Christ coming together to stand in the many ways and many places that we can to shake these strongholds and cast out these demons and ultimately set a nation free. So, patriots, keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time and this place for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tomorrow morning for bended knee. Until then or until the next time, God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. Oh, I want to feel something I just want to breathe again Dive into the deepest end Oh, I want to feel something Let me get back in my body Close to me, look how it